Welcome to the Digisoc podcast. My name is David Geerts, and in this podcast I will be interviewing researchers from the KU Leuven Digital Society Institute about how their research contributes to a positive digital society. Today I am talking to Anael Gonzalez. Anael is a PhD researcher at the School for Mass Communication Research at KU Leuven, supervised by Professor Laura van den Bos. She previously studied psychology and political psychology of international relations in France, Canada and in the UK. Her current research, which is part of Professor van der Bosse's ERC project MIMIC, is situated at the intersection of communication science, psychology and political science, and focuses on investigating the role of social media and entertainment fiction in the development of the political self in adolescence. And this is then, of course, the topic that we will be discussing today with Anael. Welcome, Anael. Hi, David. Thank you for having me. So, let's start. In short, uh, can you briefly explain first what is your research about and how does it contribute to a positive digital society, according to you? So my research is about, as you uh, really well explained already, uh, understanding how social media and uh, TV series, especially entertainment, uh, contributes to the process of political socialization and especially the development of the political self in adolescence. And in my opinion, it contributes to a positive uh, digital society by uh, encouraging uh, adolescents to have a more informed and active citizenship and understanding how uh, media consumption uh, patterns can have uh, an, uh, can empower youth into um, into becoming active uh, and active citizens. Yeah. Uh, okay. There's a lot of things that I already hear that I think mm. needs some explanation. So we'll go into depth into uh, some of those topics. Um, so let's start first uh, before we we talk a bit more about what uh, so socialization, the political mm. self, and so on mm-hmm. uh, exactly is. First, I would like to hear from you. Why did you choose to do research about this specific topic? Mm. So there are several uh, reasons. One uh, is I, I noticed that in uh, in my field field of political psychology, but also in political communication, the the research has mainly done been been done on adult samples and especially in the U.S., uh, leaving a lot of. Um, uh, unexplained mechanisms within uh, adolescents uh, who are uh, undergoing a lot of sociocognitive changes and in a very uh, active uh, period of political socialization, uh, but also in European youth, uh, because uh, of course every political systems and societies are, are really different, so it's really hard to uh, generalize the insights from the US to a French youth, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was uh, one reason. Um, another reason is um, that, of course, adolescents are the future voters and decision makers of our society. And uh, we need to understand uh, s- specifically what leads them to thinking politically the way they do or uh, being active or inactive uh, uh, in the political sphere. Um, and this process starts very early on. We, we, we start developing political attitudes as early as six years old, mm-hmm. depending on the, um, on the parental uh, style of, of, our, of our parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it becomes quite crystallized when you become an adult, but adolescence is, is a period that is really uh, still malleable. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were uh, yeah. big reasons for it. 
Angel is the topic. Yeah, yeah. And and when you talk about adolescence, mm. which age are you then speaking about? And uh, 12 to 18 years old. 12 to 18 yeah. years old, so actually mm. before they uh, are able to vote. Exactly. Uh, let's yeah. say. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Um, mm. And also, again, to talk about <laughs> the specificness, mm. um, When you talk about uh, Europe or European youth, mm -hmm. um, who are you studying there? So the, the big ERC project is, uh, is actually multicultural. So we look at uh, Belgian, Slovenian and French youth, uh, which are countries that were chosen because they vary on their level of uh, individualism. In the, mm -hmm. uh, so this was uh, the, the, the purpose of the ERC project. But my PhD is specifically on French youth. So I was... Um, okay. Focusing yeah. on the on France, yes. Yeah. Mm. But you will so your PhD, but uh, is on the French youth. Uh, mm -hmm. So that means that you will be able to compare your results with other researchers in Slovenia and Belgium. Uh, so um, in this big project, there is some papers that are multicultural. So for uh, because we have several PhDs on the same uh, on this big project, mm -hmm. there is uh, some some. Uh, Uh, investigations that will be compared, but uh, for my specific PhD, uh, this will be mainly with French youth. There's just some uh, variables that we've also included in, for example, the Slovenian uh, survey that we will be able to, to compare if, if I have the time during the PhD to look at the, um, mm -hmm. the difference between France, French and uh, Slovenian youth. Uh, but this might also be after the, the PhD if I don't have the time to, to yeah. write all those interesting yeah. papers. You yeah. can't do everything, of course. Uh, yeah. exactly. Let's talk a little bit first then about the, the research methodology and approach. Mm. So what mm. uh, exactly or how exactly are you studying uh, the topic? So there, we, there are two big steps, two big methodologies in my PhD. The first one is uh, uh, I conducted a con quantitative content analysis uh, of uh, Instagram posts and stories of uh, influencers, athletes and, uh, uh, and celebrities, which, are, which were the most popular, uh, the most followed accounts on, uh, on Instagram at, at that time. Um, so this first step was important to first document. Uh, so we, we are looking at the political content that they, they shared, uh, the, the way they uh, sh uh, talked about politics, so the frames that they use, but also the values that they shared, so the moral values and the per personal values that they exemplified in their content. This is because those figures are highly popular among, uh, among uh, adolescents. Mm -hmm. they, they consider them role models, but also recent reports found that they uh, consider them as actually important news sources, that mm -hmm. they, they rely on them for political information. A lot of news media are looking at us saying like celebrities, influencers are uh, responsible for a lot of uh, negative uh, things. They're, they're really um, uh, scapegoats uh, for mm -hmm. a lot of things. But actually, there are no content analysis yet that really looked systematically at what they, what they post. So instead of making assumptions about their content and see how this can affect youth, we decided to first take this step and mm -hmm. document the, the contents that they, uh, that they shared. Uh, and it resulted in like approximately 4,200 Instagram posts and stories mm -hmm. that I uh, coded for the, the concepts that I mentioned yeah. earlier. Uh, and can you already say a little bit about what uh, <coughs> the outcomes of that? The was? outcomes, yeah, of course. <coughs> so one paper, we, uh, we focused specifically on p the political content and the frames, and we found that... Uh, so 
the political content was not so prevalent. It was approximately 7.4% of the, of the content that they shared during a month. So we collected a month fully of permanent posts and two weeks of stories because two weeks was already like more than 3,000 3, mm -hmm. uh, stories. So for feasibility, we, we had uh, uh, to stop. But this was in October 2020. So this was full during the American uh, uh, presidential elections. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. This was not a lot of political content, even considering that this was a highly politicized period. So we can imagine that uh, this might be even less uh, in normal time, even mm -hmm. though those figures are often uh, talking about the, the current events that are happening at the moment. So, mm -hmm. so uh, for the political content, this is what we found. Uh, however, we, we, uh, for the frames, we... We relied on journalistic studies, on looking at the, the uh, we deductively looked at the frames that are usually used by journalists. So, for example, what do you mean with frames? Uh, so, the talking, for example, about one political topic can be approached on uh, in different ways. So, mm -hmm. for example, um, if you if they talk about the cl climate change, they can talk about it in terms of attribution of responsibility. That's one frame. Who is responsible for the crisis? Who is responsible for finding solution? Mm -hmm. uh, big corporations or citizens. So this is one frame, but also um, the frame, for example, of economic consequences. Uh, the Climate change we've ha will have uh, big economic consequences for Western countries, for example. So uh, there are many ways to talk about one specific topic. And we know from the literature that the way uh, the frames that are used in the news media, for example, orient how people are thinking about the, the issues that are presented in, mm -hmm. in the media. So, um, and they, they really prime certain aspects or facets of the, of the issue uh, yeah. presented. But the, those figures, because they're entertainers, we found that they actually do not use those frames. Uh, they don't use the specific frames that are used in the mm -hmm. news media. Uh, but also because those frames have been looked at in written uh, material. And now it's visual uh, material on, on Instagram, which was quite innovative mm -hmm. in our study. So now with a student, we are actually uh, going back from the bottom and uh, doing an inductive framing analysis to see, okay, if not those frames, which frames are they... Uh, are they actually using to talk about politics? Yeah. But mm. that's work in progress still. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. the political uh, it's currently under review, uh, but mm -hmm. we are still exploring the data with a master student. Yeah. Um, and you already know a bit what are those then those other yet. frames? Uh, not yet. No, no, no. Yeah. But I I'm <coughs> what my uh, because I know the data. I've also participated in the in the in the coding. So. Uh, my guess is there is a lot of things about uh, entertainment. Like they, they, they really, those figures are really good in in interweaving political content with with entertainment content and with lifestyle uh, lifestyle content. So they, uh, they they make sometimes political information seemingly go non-political. It mm -hmm. seems like you're uh, you're almost not noticing that this is actually political because mm -hmm. they. They, they, they have these styles of communication, those, uh, um, those self-presentation techniques that actually make their talking about politics quite different. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And have you also looked at the veracity of the statements, like whether it's true or not what they're, because there's a lot of fake news uh, that is being mm. spread, especially about political topics? Mm. This is a very good question. So uh, this is not, this was not the, the, the focus of my research, but I have a colleague uh, that's mm. currently doing a, uh, a similar content analysis on YouTube videos of influencers as well, who, uh, uh, it's D Darren Half in the team of uh, uh, Professor Schmuck, uh, and they're also looking at the use of sources of the um, the presentation of opinion versus uh, statements and how do they uh, back their claims, those kind of things. So there, there's also other researchers looking at this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. aspect. Like from yeah. a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the selection, you say, well, you look at political content mm -hmm. uh, on Instagram. And uh, moral content as well. And, and moral, moral content, content okay. Yes. Um, yeah, let's come back to the, the, the moral content in a, in a minute. Uh, first, I would like to know, since it's about political content, um, why didn't you look at politicians uh, on, on Instagram or social media? That's, that's a very good question. So uh, already there's already a lot of research looking at uh, traditional um, uh, elites, let's say, when it comes to political information, such as journalists or uh, politicians. So we, we know that like, there is a lot of research on this. Uh, we we've, we decided to focus on entertainers or like famous people because they they have a unique role. Uh, that we 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 consider them as opinion leaders, meaning that they have this uh, this specific uh, capacity or potential to bring political information to non politically interested users. So lots of people will and youth uh, especially will follow them because uh, they are good singers or because they they mm -hmm. like uh, like their beauty influencers. They like their content, and then suddenly in their stories there's something about uh, you need to register to vote for the election or uh, they they they. they they mix this political content with their, their lifestyle. That's actually something we looked at. If it was more fo formal politics or lifestyle politics that they uh, that they talked about, like we um, cause-oriented politics or like more about political institution actors, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so so they have this unique power uh, of of bringing incidental exposure actually to people who are not really looking for it. And uh, even if this incidental exposure we know has less. Uh, um, uh, effects on like political participation. There is still some mm -hmm. uh, some roots towards uh, online political participation mm -hmm. and actually uh, arising some kind of political interest in their audience, depending on their engagement with the content. So, for example, if they if they identify with the celebrity or the influencer, um, they, they they are they are more likely to actually take in this 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 content. That's what we're exploring as well yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And coming back to what you said about moral content, mm -hmm. so you also looked at not just political content, but also moral content. Yes. Can you say a little bit more about that? Uh, so there are some theories of political socialization that, that, uh, that says that we are not there is different routes to being socialized into politics. So there is the explicitly and direct route. So if you hear, for example, uh, if you're in a, in a class about civic uh, education in school, this is like explicitly and and direct political content. Or if you talk about, if you hear your parents talking about the election, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But there's also indirect route with more implicit messages that actually have political relevance. So moral values are, 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 are such uh, concepts. So depending on 
your ideas about right and wrong, what are your moral values. So here I rely on the theory of uh, moral foundations. So there are five moral foundations that are universally present. Um, this is a social intuitionist approach of morality. So there is, uh, we have some moral foundations uh, that are innate and then depending on the, the uh, our environment or what happens, they some are primed, some some patterns of more more values are primed differently, and this can also to, to a certain extent be uh, primed by the media uh, content, especially in adolescence. That's mm -hmm. what we're uh, looking at. So uh, and those values, they they have actually been found to uh, correlate with certain political orientation or ideologies. Uh, or, and even different patterns of political participation. But this research has been done in the US uh, on adults, so we are actually, uh, this is really um, also a big focus of my PhD to look at how those uh, those things are also playing out in European uh, French youth, yeah. if those, uh, those different values are also corresponding to different patterns of political identity. Uh. Yeah, and, and is it the case? So we will know, I guess, <laughs> with the effect studies. We, we have the data, it's been collected with the longitudinal, the free wave <laughs> panel study, which is the, the second bigger um, uh, method of my PhD. Yeah. And uh, we have the data, but I, I'm, I'm still uh, uh, in the process of writing. I, I, haven't, I don't yeah. have the results yet. Okay, that's yeah. something for our listeners then to uh, <laughs> look out for and yeah. to look at your publications yeah. uh, when, when they're available. Okay, um, so yeah, your second part, yeah, you already mm -hmm. referred to that, your second big methodology. Can you tell a little bit more uh, what you did uh, there? Yeah, so... Uh, after having then uh, looking at uh, looked at the content with the documentation on the content analysis, we uh, actually wanted to look if this content had uh, an effect on the adolescents. So we conducted as part of the big ERC project uh, a free wave panel study among 12 to 18 years old. So I think in French we had around. 800 uh, participants mm -hmm. with some dropouts across the waves uh, with a four-month interval. So we followed yeah. them across a school year. So mm -hmm. can you explain a little bit? Because not all everyone is probably yeah. familiar with the methodology. <laughs> what does a three-wave panel study mean? Uh, uh, yes, sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, so there's several ways to do, to do uh, survey research. So one of them is called cross-sectional research, where we just uh, ask the participants at one point in time to uh, to fill in a survey and with this kind of methods we are able to look at association but we're, we cannot really look at the, the issues of directionality or causality so you, you cannot really know what comes first is it the exposure to the political content that leads to uh, some political orientation or is it actually some political orientation that leads you to be exposed to, mm -hmm. to, certain, uh, to certain content likely both we know it the, those things are reciprocal uh, but there is also another type of survey which is uh, called longitudinal studies uh, which looked at the same variables are asked again several times to the same participant to see how those things evolve over time so a free wave panel study means that we asked our participants to fill the same survey three times mm -hmm. and then that we are able to see the evolution over time on the different things we measured mm -hmm. so um, we are able to see if uh, at wave one, so the first questionnaire, there is a certain um, uh, score on political interest, for example. At wave two, we are able to see, oh, does political interest has increased, stay the same, uh, decreased, and same for wave three. And we, uh, depending on the paper that we are writing or the, the research question, we, we investigate either certain predictors 
moderators or things that are at play in uh, determining whether those things uh, decrease, increase, mm -hmm. or actually stay the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's clear. That yeah. makes it definitely more clear, yes. Uh, and I hope for the listeners as well. Um, so you did this three-wave, uh, mm. like three moments that you um, mm -hmm. asked uh, with uh, 800 French adolescents. Mm. Can you already say a little bit about uh, some results that you already have from this data? Uh, so I don't have all the, the data mm -hmm. on the longitudinal study. I, I, I don't have the results yet. I've been focusing on the the content analysis yeah. yet, but we uh, we have some uh, we we created some debriefings for the for the adolescents about just after each wave showing them uh, that their uh, what what is their different like the descriptives of their social media use so in general how much uh, French adolescents sp spend on social media those kind of things so we mm -hmm. uh, I just have those kind of little. Uh, uh, data, uh, so I would not be able to yet say anything about the dynamics. Yeah. Uh, and what will yeah. you? What what's the expected outcome then? Let's let's talk about that. Uh, so the expected outcome. So one uh, paper, for example, one chapter of my PhD is looking at um, the. We ask adolescents to who is their favorite uh, TV character, for example, mm -hmm. uh, in the in the show that they've watched the most recently, and we ask the, the adolescents to to um, uh, to evaluate the the perceived moral values of this person. So how uh, they perceive them on on the moral values of uh, care, fairness, loyalty, uh, authority, and purity, which are the, the five values of the theory I'm using. Mm -hmm. And then we are looking. We also ask adolescents over time to evaluate their own values. So the, on those five foundations, like we, we measure those things uh, with the adolescents, and also uh, looked at the the identification, the wishful identification with this TV character. Um, and so I, we are expecting, for example, for this chapter to see that um, over time, the us, uh, they, they are more likely to, for example, take on the values of their favorite character, especially if they highly identify with this uh, with this TV character and see how over time, for example, if their values are then uh, uh, taking a different pattern that they might even choose a different TV character that corresponds with those values at wave two and uh, mm -hmm. the same at wave three. And then you're talking about a, f a fictional character, not the actor yes. uh, playing it, but the, the fictional. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so because originally my PhD was also uh, looking at, do, uh, we were supposed to do a content analysis of uh, political content in uh, entertainment fiction, so in TV series, uh, but for, uh, for feasibility reason, we, we, we haven't uh, be, uh, been able to do it. So the content analysis is just on social media, but there is also another paper where we looked at, we asked them who is their favorite celebrity influencer or uh, just favorite famous person and what are the values of this person and we look if uh, uh, they, they take on the internalize the values of this mm -hmm. um, of these figures and uh, also link them with various political outcomes uh, in uh, uh, in parallel as well so it's a three step uh, yeah and what are these political outcomes uh, uh, so I'm looking at political participation uh, uh, so both traditional, like uh, contacting uh, politicians, like but we know that those type of participation are less uh, prevalent among newer generations who privilege more alternative forms of political participation, like online uh, sharing a political content, signing an online petition, participating in a protest. So we, we look at those, those things, mm -hmm. uh, but also the political self-concept. So the extent to which the adolescents are 
um, consider that politics or caring about the world is an important part of who they are. Mm -hmm. So we see that depending on how much the, the, the person they are following are talking about politics or interested in it, how might they take in the, the concept of politics as being important as the sense yeah. of self. So that's the political self then mm -hmm. that you talked about yes. at the beginning. Uh, so the yeah. political self is actually a, a concept that uh, um, encompasses many different uh, concepts. So it, it brings together political interest, political participation, political efficacy, the self-efficacy. Uh, the uh, the participation, but also your political attitudes. It's really uh, an encompassing uh, concept that mm -hmm. uh, uh, is made up of, of lots of different things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. okay. Mm. Let's now talk uh, a little bit about the, the impact of mm. your uh, research or potential impact of mm. your research. And, and first, who do you think will benefit from from what you are researching? So ideally, <laughs> uh, the first group that I, I hope will benefit from my studies are the adolescents themselves. So mm -hmm. uh, as I was mentioning before, we, we put a lot of importance in making debriefings after the, the condition that the adolescents participate in our studies, that they will also receive information about the results. So we we help we I want uh, I wish that adolescents become more aware of the mm -hmm. political information uh, that they consume, uh, the po the potential quality of the source that is using, but also the the intention be behind um, the the sharing of the the political information. Are the person trying to persuade me? Are they like trying to? Uh, uh, or just like, is it just inform informative, uh, for example? So uh, I hope that they become also more conscious about who they follow and who they try to emulate because those people are actually sharing some values. Mm -hmm. uh, it's we take in all the information that we that we consume every day and uh, uh, to s to some. V to some different extents, of course, but mm -hmm. uh, so I hope that the adolescents become more aware and conscious of those uh, of those things. Mm -hmm. um, second, I um, I hope that parents and caregivers uh, will also benefit because the results of our studies can give them some insight into guiding their children uh, into their media consumption habits. So uh, helping them understand that the, the the content that they uh, that there is different quality of information, that the political information uh, might come from different places and that uh, yeah, it's, of course, of different quality and of different... Um, mm -hmm. So an important quantity. role for, for parents still, you're saying it's not mm -hmm. just let your kids go on social media and they'll find everything there. No, mm -hmm. it, parents need to be involved. Yes, um, yeah. I, I, I believe yeah. so. Uh, but also because, I, I mean, I think it has to be a core learning process. Mm -hmm. I think the media environment is evolving so fast and it's really, it's the, the, the adolescents, are, they are aware before parents often which application is out and which mm -hmm. they, they, they are aware of those norms that adults are sometimes losing a bit touch with or we struggle keeping up with uh, already me with TikTok. Sometimes I'm like, well, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> uh, so I, I do think parents are, should stay uh, interested and, and understand what their their adolescents like doing on on and why why do they like this content and maybe open up a kind of dialogue so mm -hmm. that if uh, they they feel safe in talking to their parents about it if they encounter something that they. 
yeah, yeah, that yeah. they don't uh, know how to um, engage with. Yeah. Um, and the, the the third biggest, which would be, of course, ideally, will be uh, um, um, what's the word? Policymakers and educators. Uh-huh. Uh, so. I, I, that would be great if our research can help uh, give insights into educational and media literacy programs, into uh, explaining, uh, um, informing adolescents into the quali- like critical thinking, engaging with the informa- the political information, uh, um, recognizes bi- uh, biases and, and evaluating the quality of the information so that they can uh, engage in the political discourse in a responsible manner. However, we know that being uh, rationally informed uh, is not the whole picture. We know that often we use social media uh, for emotional purposes. Really, there's mm. a different affective route of literacy that is important to take into consideration, like how uh, when we are not in a place of really the system to kind of processing deliberately engaging with the information. Oh, is this political information of good quality? What are the sources used? We know well that we're not always in this state mm-hmm. of mind when we are looking at media. Yeah. So how d- can we teach adolescents to maybe stop and think and be like, okay, I don't like this political opinion. It's it's challenging me because I don't agree with it. But uh, okay, maybe I don't have to respond. Maybe people have the right to their own opinion. Uh, I don't have to send negative comments to someone I disagree with. Or uh, also the emotionally, like, does this influencer uh, uh, that I love, uh, is uh, is this sharing something that... Um, that I, I, that do I do I agree with or is it good quality? But also, why, maybe I can come back later when I'm more, uh, I don't know, at ease or yeah, I'm just yeah, thinking yeah. out loud. But just some kind so of media literacy program that take into account the the fact that Im- humans are both rational and emotional. And emotional, yeah, yeah, yeah. So indeed, like the two is important yes. uh, combination. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, if you could imagine a future society uh, where your research uh, results are uh, being taken up and, and mm. used, um, what would your ideal um, future look like? Uh, I think uh, the future society would have done a less, uh, uh, without my research, it would have a less comprehensive understanding of the uh, of the sources that shape political adolescence. So, for example, if after my research they would understand that it's not only political, uh, explicit political information that is important to look at, but also uh, information that has political relevance, like the moral values that are portrayed, uh, which the, do the influencers that we look at uh, show care and loyalty, for example. And we know that those things also influence the to certain extent the patterns of moral values in the in the people uh, but also the um, um, considering informal sources like the um, not only for example politicians and tra- uh, tradition and journalists but also people that are entertainers uh, that can that have a, a lot of potential in bringing um, in bringing some political uh, information to people that are disengaged and often feel like politics are boring and mm-hmm. not. Uh, so, for example, youth uh, or people with lower social economic background, because we know that there is some uh, class differences in political participation and, mm-hmm. and access to information. So uh, information would be available to 
um, more people, there will be less uh, of a threshold to participate into the public debate. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, so you are saying also then that you think that it's indeed important for these entertainers and celebrities to be aware of their role in, in mm. political socialization? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's, that's one thing uh, I think that my research could help, like provide some guidelines into uh, uh, developing some responsible practices, like knowing when you have an audience of millions of followers, you have certain responsibility mm -hmm. with regards to the quality of the information that you um, that you share, um, but also the sources and also the per the, the the purposes for with, uh, with which you, you share this information um and that they can collaborate like we know a lot for example uh, celebrities are already often used in the us by political parties to encourage the, the people to register to vote and to vote and i think mm -hmm. this can uh this is great and we've we're only now so far understanding how uh influencers are playing a new role with this uh mm -hmm. Um, but I also hope that with my research, people, uh, it's it's often uh, striking a balance between um, this normative democratic ideal of being uh, people should be well informed and active citizens, but also between this the reality in which people also uh, do not have the they can also just look at entertainment if they want. They don't have to always look at mm -hmm. political information and always being responsible and always... Uh, I don't think that's really responsible. Uh, and I, I think it comes from this status of academics with like a lower, uh, a higher education and higher um, social economic status where we impose our views on people of what it should look like. And for me, I put a lot of importance into the... Uh, the narratives and the subjective experience of adolescents that tell us, okay, that's what you think as an academic it could look like, but for us, that's what, uh, with our understanding of society, with the changing norms and practices, this is what we do and we, we think it's better because of this reason. And for me, intellectual humility is a very important thing in the sense that I, I'm constantly trying to be aware that I might be wrong mm -hmm. and I come on this topic with a position of... Uh, as an academic, and I should also allow the information to to come from the the adolescents, and yeah. and also as a political psychologist, I put a lot of uh, um, um, accent into uh, understanding why people believe political beliefs that they do, and why they uh, act or decide not to to act the way they do. Uh, without putting some kind of hierarchies in the beliefs, political ideologies, those kind of things, because there's always an explanation in the socialization of people for why mm -hmm. they do so. And I try not to um, uh, let this be influenced by, by my own beliefs. Uh, so I, I, I hope that in a future society, people could also have like maybe more acceptance and understanding that uh, there is different moral values and political ideas in a society that cohabit for certain mm -hmm. reasons, some dynamics it's natural that you have the the pull towards the conservatism and the progress like this this works together not mm -hmm. as polarization but actually two facets of the same coin that needs to yeah. uh, to complement each other so yeah. 
Okay, uh, that's that's interesting. I think so like so. I hear a, a little bit of a plea also for for diversity. Mm. It's it's not always bad to mm. to have opposing views, yes. uh, and mm. and it's important to listen uh, mm. to to adolescents, the young people themselves, their mm. opinions, and not going to tell them this is how it should be, but mm-hmm. listen to their uh, experiences. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I, at least within, of course, I'm not talking about extreme views that are about violence and like I don't. Mm-hmm. This, this should not be uh, like uh, taken out of context. But uh, there is uh, often when you look at actually, the, the, I was listening to an interesting podcast l- uh, last time that was talking about how um, in the U.S. Uh, w- there is this perceived polarization that they cannot agree on anything between mm-hmm. uh, demo- the, uh, Democrats and Republicans. But when you really talk to people without putting about uh, words of ideology or, or, or a political identity on them, you realize that they actually agree on 70% of the of the issues. Mm-hmm. It's just when you tell them, this is what Democrats believe and Republicans will then say, no, I don't believe this. But if you talk about the issue, they, they agree on the on the heart of the issues they just sometimes prioritize different they 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 are also very moral people everyone is moral uh they just have different patterns of hierarchy of moral values and what they put as more important uh-huh. um so yeah i i i do think that understanding this in adults but also ad, ad, uh, encouraging adolescents to be acceptant of diversity of points of view and just Especially on social media now, now you see it's where mm-hmm. people are more reactive and more likely to to want to shut down things that they yeah. don't agree with. But uh, okay, yes. so but I hear I a plea like mm-hmm. to to keep talking, yeah. uh, not just stick to your guns and say mm-hmm. uh, figuratively then, uh, but mm-hmm. like open your yes. minds and mm-hmm. teach all the, also adolescents that it's worth listening uh, mm-hmm. to to other people and find mm-hmm. common ground, yes. and not just yeah. the, the parts where you. Uh, I think that's a nice mm. uh, thought to end this mm. uh, podcast episode uh, with. Uh, so thank you, Anel, for sharing your ongoing research. And we look forward uh, to the results that uh, are still to come. Thank Thanks. you, David. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digisoc podcast, in which we share research and insights from the KU Leuven Digital Society Institute. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Anel Gonzalez about her research on the role of social media and entertainment fiction in the development of the political self in adolescence. Her work is just a small part of a larger conversation on how we can create a positive digital society. Be sure to join us next time for more discussions with DigiSoc researchers. Until then, stay curious and critical about the digital worlds around us. Thank you.